Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bishop Daniel Harley, the resident pastor of Christ Our Hope Cathedral, Kudumansville, and overseer of the KZN Council of Churches. Bishop Daniel Harley is a son of Bishop Dag Hewitt Miller, the founder and bishop of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Bishop Daniel Harley has a strong passion for missions and evangelism and has preached the gospel over many years. Join us now for a life-changing experience. Amen. Well, I want to share something with you on prayer. Amen. For the next two weeks, I want to share on prayer. We've talked about quiet. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about growing through the word of God, which is reading your Bible regularly. We've looked through various things. I want to also talk about prayer. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew chapter number what? Matthew chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For it is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it the den of thieves. Den of thieves means where thieves exist. So when there's no prayer in the church, something is wrong. Okay? And the church is not the television, the microphone, the speakers, the chairs. The church is you and I. So when we come together, we make the church. So when we don't pray, Jesus refers to us as the den of thieves. A den is like a house. When lions are in, a, 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 what, like, like what you have as a crawl. It's like the crawl for lions. It's called a den. Do you guys? Do you see? So you have made it a den of thieves. Matthew 12, 13, that's all. All right, so I want to talk about prayer for a little while, and I want to ask once again. Your ex will not call you at this time. So just listen, and your next also will not call you at this time. Amen. Okay, so just give me your attention. 40 minutes, if you look at my clock, my time is even set, 44 minutes. Look at it. I'm preaching with a clock. I'm not just talking till I'm tired. Once it's zero, zero, I'm done. Okay. Now, what is your next looking for that he can't wait for 45 minutes? If he can't wait for 45 minutes, he will not wait for you. I'm telling you the truth. He will not wait for you. He's so desperate. 45 minutes is like eternity to him. He won't wait for you. It's even a test. All right. So I want to talk about prayer. And I want to talk, today I want to talk about the mysteries of prayer. The mysteries of prayer. Why prayer is a mystery. Alright? Now, what is a mystery? A mystery is something you don't know. Something you don't fully understand. Amen. So, she's a mystery. It means you don't know her. Do you, get, you don't know her completely. She can surprise you at any time. It's a mystery. It's a mystery character. It means the full identity or character or uh, mannerisms or way of life of the person is not fully known. Do you see? Prayer is like that. We don't fully know what prayer does. If we knew what prayer really was, we'll pray all the time. No wonder Jesus gave, encouraged us in Luke 18 verse 1 that men have to always pray and not to faint. If the true reality an impact of prayer was made known to us, we will always pray. Amen. So today, I'm making an attempt to expose some of the mysteries of prayer to us. To encourage, because I'm coming to teach on prayer, to encourage us to be people who want to pray. Today's Christians, it's prayer time that we don't want to have in the church. Let's dance. God is fighting for us, pushing back the... uh Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be uh-huh. in the name of enemies defeated. Yes, that one we all like it. And I'm happy when you learn to sing the songs. Especially if this is the church you will come to. If you are just visiting, that's all right. You can learn it for yourself or not. But if this is where learn to sing the song. Do you get it? So that when you come and we are singing. Remember, those who are in front, they are just helping us. Ideally, we should just walk in, into the church and we all start to worship. We all start. But be, when there's no order, 
confusion because you want to do praises at this time. Your neighbor wants to do worship at this time. Your other neighbor wants to listen to the word of God. Then there will be confusion. Do, do you understand? That's why there's always somebody leading so that things can be done orderly. So learn the songs. Amen. Learn, learn the songs, not just the beats. Like, I know the songs. I know the beats. I just don't know all the dances. I'm learning it. I saw some place they were doing some. I didn't know how to do it. I said, oh, I have to learn it. Do you get You too. So me too, I'm a student. You are also a student. Maybe you know the dance, but you don't know the words. Learn the words. Okay. Yeah. Amen. So prayer is something we must engage in. And I said prayer is a mystery. Why is prayer a mystery? Because God himself is mysterious. God is a mysterious God. And we will never know God. We will never know God completely. Do you see? Like the Bible tells us that in heaven we'll worship God forever. And people ask that, how can we worship and not finish? It's because you don't, we don't know, we would not know, we can't know God in totality. So every time God will be surprising us in heaven. Anytime we see God, we'll see something that we didn't know. We'll see something maybe in his wisdom that we didn't know. Or in his glory that we didn't know. Or in his splendor that we didn't know. And when we see it, because God himself is there. You see, like on earth, you can use your mind. But when you see God, the natural thing is to fall down. Is to bow down. That's why throughout the Bible, anytime an angel appears or anything, people fall down. It's a normal reaction. Do, 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 do you get it? It's a normal reaction. So that's why I said the 24 elders, they bow down continually before the Lord, before the throne of God. It means anytime they see God reveal himself, they, they, they just go, it's like a reflex. Oh, and then they just, that's all we'll be doing in heaven, bowing and worshiping the Lord because God will be showing us things we didn't know. So many things we didn't know. Hallelujah. So God himself is mysterious. So we can't know about it. Bible tells us in Revelation 10, 7 that the mystery of God, when the mystery of God is finished, that's when we will know God. But God's mystery never gets finished. That's why prayer is mysterious. What are the mysteries of prayer? Which is what I want to share. Number one, the first mystery of prayer is that mysteriously seem like God is limited or restricted to do only what we ask him. It seems God will not act unless we pray. The first mystery is that it seems as though God is restricted by what we ask him. Which is to say God will never do what we have not asked him. If we don't pray, God will not act. If you don't pray, God will not do anything. The reason why you are not seeing God move in your life because you have not prayed. You have not asked him to. And that's mysterious. You would have thought that an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, because he loves you. Oh, you need a job. He gives you a job. You need this. He gives you. No, no, no. If you don't ask him, he won't give it to you. He'll just be watching you. He'll just be watching you. Genesis chapter 20, I read from verse 3 to verse 7. It says, But Abimelech, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art a dead man, you are a dead man. For the woman which you have taken, for the woman which you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, Abimelech was the king of Egypt, and he had taken a guy called Abraham's wife. Okay, so God appeared to him and said, you are a dead man. Why? Because of the woman you have taken. You have taken somebody's wife. But Abimelech said, but, but Abimelech had not come near her. It means Abimelech had not had sex with her. Okay, are you listening to me? Abimelech had not had sex with her. Genesis 20, please. Abimelech has not had sex with her. And he said, Lord, Will you slay a righteous man? Basically, what you are saying is that, Lord, I've not done anything to this guy. I only invited her out for lunch. So, will, will you punish me because I just invited her for lunch? Okay? Now, listen. Verse 5. 
she said he not unto me. He said, he's, and now Abimelech is talking to God. He said, he said unto me, she is my sister. And she even herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands, have I done this? So Abimelech explains to God that even the girl, she said to me, the, in fact, the guy you are saying that is her husband, the guy said to me, the girl is my sister. So what, what's my fault here? And the girl also, I asked the girl, the girl said, oh, I said, I tell you, the, girl, the way I see you smile, I look, I went on your Facebook and I saw pictures of you and this guy in a cozy place. Oh, we are, he's my brother. So they lied to me. So Abimelech said to God that these guys, they lied to me. I, I, I wasn't, if I knew that she was somebody's wife, I wouldn't have taken her. I wouldn't have approached her at all. Then listen to what God says to Abimelech. And God said unto him in the dream, Yeah, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of their heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, allowed allowed I thee not to touch her. I, I intentionally made you not touch her so that your problem doesn't get worse. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife. Means give back the woman to the husband. Are you coming along? I'm taking you through the Bible. Restore this man. Now, therefore, restore this man his wife. For he is a prophet. You, have gone, you want to take somebody's wife. It's the pastor's wife you have gone to take. I mean, you look through the whole church. You couldn't take that stubborn usher who doesn't respect anybody. At least take his wife. You have gone to take the pastor's wife. Ah! When I do want to die, God said, give his wife back to him. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. If thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die. Thou and all that are dying. He says, now, he said to Abimelech, Go and give his wife back to him and ask him to pray for you. Now, why, if God is having a discussion with Abimelech, the one who needs a prayer, why does he have to ask Abimelech to go and ask somebody to pray for Why doesn't he just solve the problem and say, look, go and give him his wife. I've, I've saved you. Say, no, let him pray. Because before I can do something, I can say, because right now you are on a hit list to die. But before I can save you from dying, Somebody needs to pray. Amen. Somebody needs to pray. From here, we can see that, look, if we don't pray, God doesn't do anything. God doesn't do anything. If you don't pray, God doesn't do anything. It's almost like God is not, it's almost like God is not allowed to intervene in our lives until we pray. This is one of the mysteries of prayer. You would have thought, oh, but God, you already know. Even for you to come and tell me in a dream, it means you want to help me. So why don't you finish helping me? God said, no, no, no. Until somebody prays. Until Abraham prays. God will not move. That's the first mystery. Until somebody prays. Until you pray about your school. God will not help you. He'll just be watching you. God, do you love me? Yes, I love you. But be struggling with Echo 101. Keep hustling with Echo 101. Yeah, until you pray. Until you do what? You pray. That's why you must learn to pray. That's why you shouldn't just, you, you just come to the church and then you are happy you cannot pray. Rather want to learn how to pray. Want to learn how to pray. We come, we are praying. You see other people praying. You should ask yourself, ah, how come they can pray? I thought it's only the pastor who can pray, but it looks like this one also can pray. Then I must also learn how to pray. Be, be, be interested in learning how to pray. Because it is then that God will intervene in your life. Mystery number two. I'm giving you about six mysteries and then we go home. Mysteriously number two. Even though God knows everything, he still wants us to ask him what he already knows. Matthew chapter 6. He still wants us to ask him what he already knows. 
he still wants us to ask him. It looks like God still wants us to tell him what he already knows. He knows it already, but he still wants to tell us. Verse 8. He still wants us to tell him. How many of you believe that God knows everything? It says, but be not ye therefore like them, like the Gentiles. Jesus was, teacher, was teaching his disciples to pray. He says, when you pray, don't be like the Gentiles. Do you see it? For your father knoweth what things you need before you even ask. Now, God already knows what you need. He already knows what you are coming to tell him. Like we have come to church, we are praying for mercy. God knows everything already, but he still wants to hear it. He still wants us to tell him. Mysterious. I don't know what it does for God. Have you not been in a situation where, if you have you not watched a movie that you have watched already? Say the truth. Stop being a liar on a Sunday morning. You have watched, even some of the soapies you've watched all already, you start again. Some of you watch Money Heist, you have started watching it again. You want to watch it again? You want to see, did the professor really you want to see it again. Prison break. Did they really break out? <laughs> you want to watch it again. But you already know whatever happened in it. But you still want to watch it. God too is like that. He has already heard, He knows what you are coming to say. He knows that, look, this is what happens. You are coming to say it, but he wants to hear it. Wow. He wants to hear it again. Let him say hey. I know everything. Let him say it again. I mean, there are stories that people have told me that I'll be dead and they'll be telling me again. It's almost like they've forgotten that they've told me. I still, I still listen. Hey, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Powerful, nice. And then we move on. God is also like that. He wants to hear it again. That's why we must pray. He already knows what you are coming to ask. He knows by the look on your face you are coming to ask for Nasfas money. Says, still come and ask. It's not from the way your things are going. You are coming to ask for this, but ask again. He wants to hear it. It's a mystery. When we say a mystery, understand. You see, don't take your eye off the word mystery. It means we don't understand why. I can't explain to you. Why. I wish I could explain to you why. Why God wants to hear it again. I mean, there are stories I don't want to hear again. There are stories I like to hear again. Because what? Sometimes they are interesting. Yeah, the movies you watch which are not interesting, you don't watch them again. But the ones that were interesting, when you are there, you watch again. Do you get it? Because they are interesting. So I know why I, I will listen to something again. I know why, I, but I don't know why God, who knows everything, wants to hear everything again. It's mysterious. We don't understand. We do not understand. This is one, one of the reasons why prayer is mysterious. Number three. Number three. Mysteriously, God seems to want, to want us to keep asking him about the same things. Even though we have asked him before. Asking him. It looks like he... Mysteriously, God seems to want us to ask him about the same thing even though we have asked him before. First Thessalonians 5.17 the Bible says pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Never stop. Pray again. Pray it again. Pray it, again. it looks like, look, God, is, God enjoys it when you ask him for something and then you come and ask him again. I'm sure that if God doesn't know what you want, at least by the third time of asking, he should know by now. Maybe the first one, he was busy. He was somewhere around Ukraine trying to help the refugees there. So he wasn't really listening to you, so he didn't hear you. Then the second time, um, he, was saw, he was listening to somebody else's prayer. So he didn't hear your prayer. By the third time, he should have heard what you are looking for. How many of you have prayed about something more than once? By now, God knows it. I have prayed for church growth for years. I'm sure God knows that I want my churches to grow. But he says, come and ask again. Yeah, ask again. Hey, hey. 
Ask again. I know you prayed about. So those of you, when you pray about something, maybe God has not yet answered it or it has not yet been done. Then you say, oh, even God, what does it take? I've asked him once, so I won't ask again. Hey, sister, wake up. Brother, wake up and ask again. It looks like God wants you to ask again. God wants you to ask. What's your name? Lutando. Lutando, Lutando. Lutando. Okay. Lutando, Lugaga. Lutando, Luga. Lutando means what? Love, ne? Yeah. Okay. Lutando. Lutando, God wants you to ask again. I'm sure you've asked God for some things and you haven't seen them. Don't get tired of asking him. It looks like he enjoys it. Listen, if you have a relationship with somebody, you see, you have to do things the way he likes it or the way she likes it. Amen. If you take me as a person, there's a way I like my things. Do you see it? There's a way I like my things. You have. To, yesterday I went for a wedding or and and member. So it's yesterday was my first real member. So that I went to. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I, I always ask these questions. I, I think the people I ask the questions either they don't understand the questions I ask them, or something else. But let me stick with they don't. Maybe I'm not able to explain myself. Always ask that. At what point are you married in the Zulu culture? And they'll be saying different things. It's yesterday that I really understood it. You see, because in the course after Lobola is paid, you are... But in the Zulu, you do the Lobola negotiation. Then the members, so it's the real marriage ceremony. But they won't say so. So, you have paid the Lobola, then let's marry. So, oh no, we have to, they say we should do members. Then you make me feel like the family are being unreasonable. But they are not being unreasonable at all. That's actually the marriage. But you have deceived me. Like, I have another marriage this weekend. That one, after Lobola is done. Because it's a different tribe. Do you see it? Now, what was I talking about before I came to? They were trying to serve me food. Do you see? And, and, and there's a way I like my food. If you do it any other way, the food is spoiled. And I don't mind going hungry. So, I'm not the foodist. Somebody said to me, foodist. If somebody who likes to eat. It's not in the dictionary. It's not a proper word, please. Don't go to an interview and go and say it. Uh, no, they'll suck you. <laughs> okay. Now, when I dish out my food, you see, there's a, an African way where we dish out food. You put the rice, then you put the sauce on top, then you put everything. It's like you are building a, a mountain. Now, what that does is that you don't give the person who's eating a chance to mix the food the way they want it. Now you say, oh, cho-cho. You thought you knew everything already. Do you get it? So usually when you, and the other thing is that when you eat and you don't finish, it's easy for somebody else to eat what you have left. Did you know that? I'm telling you. You guys do food. You are the food people. Yeah, you do food, so I'm telling you. You are foodist. Do you see? So I prefer to, my, if it's rice, rice is here. If it's whatever sauce, sauce is here. Um, vegetables, vegetables is here. Coleslaw, coleslaw. It's like everybody is put. Do you, they are not interacting with each other heavily. Do you see? So when, and then you have some space where you are going to eat from. So when you take your plate and the food is there, maybe there are five items on the plate. They are all at their places. Then you want to have this amount of rice. At this point, this may be one big spoon of rice. And maybe just a little sauce and a lot of um, coleslaw at this particular point. You have the freedom to take how much coleslaw you want, how much this you want, and eat it. But when you put all on top, the person has no choice. The, the thing, even the sauce soaks the whole rice. So even if you eat a little and you are done, and the children come and take your plate, your food looks, your plate looks nasty. That's the third reason. So that your, your plate always looks neat, even though you are eating. Hello? Do you get it? Uh Food is, I'm telling you. (laughs) God bless you. Do you see it? Uh So that it looks neat. You you, you understand it? So when you, you, if you are in your bedroom, you can mix everything like chakalaka and eat, no problem. But if you are in public, so it looks neat as you are eating. Even when, if there are bones and you chew the bone, you don't just put it in like, you put, even if there's no side plate, you put it at the side. 
so that the bones that have gone into your mouth and have come out, they don't mix with the rest. Oh, no. But Bishop, the whole food is going to go into my mouth. I know. It's, why don't you spit out the side and take it back into your mouth? Since it is from your mouth. Hello, you see the way you have made your face. Yes, like midnight. But you won't want to do that. How, why would you take your bone that has gone into your mouth and put it back next to the food which is going to go back into your mouth? It's the same thing. Do, do you get it? Uh-huh. So even the bones, even when you take it out, I don't know why I'm talking about this. My time is finishing. Even the bones, when you take it out, you don't, like even if you are putting it on the side, you don't just scatter it. Do you get it? You put it nicely, orderly. Always when you are eating, just think that I'm not going to finish the food and my next person is going to continue the food. So it must look nice when they take it. That's all. And that's how I prefer my food. So if you serve me in any other way, you have spoiled the food. You see, I'll be sitting there. Even if I can't say no, I'll be sitting there telling you stories and the time will be up to go away. <laughs> By the time you come and check, you see that he didn't eat anything. That's the reason why. So I'm saying this to say that when you are relating, you also, there's a way you like your things. Everybody and the way they like, no matter how insignificant they are, there's a way they like their things. God, to that's what he likes. Let's give him what he likes. I said, God, that's what he likes. Let us give him what he likes. He says, you have asked me, come and ask. Maybe, maybe it makes him feel good when you come and ask him again. You see, uh, uh, there was a guy. He said, the pastor asked him one day, what type of lady would you like to marry? Then he said, I want a lady who knows how to spend money. That's strange, isn't it? Lady says, please give me his number. <laughs> pastor after church, give me his number. <laughs> yeah. And the pastor asked him, why? And he said, when I have a lady who likes to spend money, she makes me work very hard. That's what he likes. Give him what he likes. There are people who like tall ladies. You can't give them a short lady. I mean, the ladies are short as a carpet. And you have given them, no. Some people also like their ladies heavy. I mean, when you go and buy pizza, they ask you, do you want a thick base or a thin base? Is that not so? Yeah, they ask you, brother, do you want thick or thick base? Or this is one of the questions they ask all the time. Thick base means you want to eat more bread than toppings. And thin base means you want to eat more toppings than bread. That's all. None, none of them is better than the other. I mean, none, none. it's what you want. Do, do you get it? It's what you want. You understand? So they ask you, the same way God also has what he wants. Maybe he makes him feel good when you come and you ask him again. You ask him. Some wives are happy when you are, you are begging, oh, give me this, give me that. And then they have some husbands too, maybe they are like that. Do you get it? So maybe some people also like for you to be strong. Say, hey, bring this, go this. You give them what they like. If you want them to be happy, give them what they like. The same way God, look, it looks like God is also happy when we come and we are asking him the same thing what we ask him Last week, oh God, give me a car. Oh God, give me a car. Anytime you come, when you pray about anything that maybe doesn't excite him, it's when he hears that you are asking for a car again, which you asked for last week, you asked for two weeks ago, you asked for three, then he begins to feel good. Ah, continue. It's why I'm, the whole thing is that why it is so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, some things are mysterious. Solomon said there are four mysterious things in this world. Four mysterious things in this world. He said one of them is how a snake climbs a wall. He doesn't have legs. But he's able to climb a wall. Have you ever wondered a slim wall, you see the snake has climbed the rock. How did, well, sometimes the places that you see the snake, you wonder, how did the snake get here? Me, I have legs and hands to hold things, but I can't get there. How does the snake manage to get by together? Solomon says it's amazing. Another thing that Solomon says is amazing is he says how a man behaves when he's with a woman. It's also amazing. It's like you can't understand. It's mysterious how a man behaves when he's with a woman. 
You will see his children have not eaten at home. They've not eaten. He's come to sign a check to give to a young 21-year-old girl who doesn't even understand how money is made. But you see, he's giving everything away. And you, you'll be asking. You, someone says, it's mysterious. We can't understand. We cannot understand. The same way God too, it looks like he's happy when we ask him the thing again and again and again. Number four. I said I'm sharing about six with you, so number four. Mysteriously, it seems like God wants us to keep asking him, but also find some prayers repetitive and boring. Although God wants us to ask him the same thing again and again and again, it looks like he finds some prayers also repetitive and boring. Matthew chapter 6, the same scripture we read. Matthew chapter 6, I'm reading verse 7 and it says, But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard by their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like them, for thy father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask. He says, don't be repeating yourselves over and over and over again. Now, pastor, I thought you just said that God wants... <laughs> I thought you just said that God says we should ask him again. Now you are saying that God says that we shouldn't repeat. Why? I don't know. You see, if you can go home today with I don't know, then you have understood what I'm saying. Why it is so, I don't know. The same person says that, ask me again. Oh, but God, I ask you, hey, ask me again. Hey, God, hey, ask me again. Then as soon as you start asking him, the same thing, say, boring, boring, the same thing again, the same thing again. Every day, every day, shoe, every day, shoe. Ah, so, you, it leaves us at a place where it's like, God at all, what does he want? How many of you feel that? God at all, what does he want? What, what really does he That's it. That's actually the real. That's what I'm telling you. We don't know what he wants. We don't really understand. When it comes to prayer, we don't really understand what he wants. One breath, he said, ask me again. Just when you are asking, he says, don't repeat yourself. So how do we know? That this one is a repetition and this one is a continuation. How do we know when you have asked one question enough to move on? How do we know? That's the, that is actually the mystery of prayer. That's actually what I'm talking about. The mystery of prayer. That we can't tell. Today he says we should ask. Tomorrow he says we have asked that too much. We should change. It's God. But one of the things I've experienced over the years, and I've been, a, I've, by the grace of God, I've been a Christian for almost 30 years. Do you get it? Almost 30 years. I was a Christian when I was young, as young as you. And I've been a Christian since. If you don't make time for God now that you are young, when you grow, you will not make time for God. All of you that God is struggling to get your attention now, if you don't turn your attention to God now, as you grow, you will not have time for God. It's, 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 it's the truth. I wish I could tell you something else. Because as you grow, you become more engrossed with other things and you forget God. That's why I say, remember, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God in the days of your youth, when you are young. The best time to turn your attention to God is when you are young. If you like take 30 out of my age right now, you will see that I was, even some of you were older than me when I turned my attention to God. I met a Russian called Dimitri. Dimitri, a Russian called Dimitri, 20-year-old boy, he said to me, I said, I said, do you know Jesus? He said to me, um, do you know that age, when you are at that age, where you don't have any time for these things? I said, which things? He said, God. So I said, which age is that? Which age is that age? Where it's like that age is an age. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's like a free pass age. That's what he was trying to tell me. As for this, time, this age, this age is a free pass. So I said, what age is that? What age is... The, remember the guy's name. You hear his name a lot. White boy from Russia. It's called Dimitri. 
Dimitri is from Russia and Spain, Barcelona. Hey, Pastor, why have you been playing that you meet such um, Vladimir Putin type of guys? <laughs> yeah, Dimitri. I'll never forget that guy. Hey, Dimitri. Yeah. And he rode his skate bike, his skateboard, and he went away from me. I was, I was coming to lead him to Christ. Dimitri. Remember who? Dimitri. Remember God now. I chose God when I was young. Young like that. And I've had no regrets. Return your attention to God. And over the years, I've learned to pray. What my point is that as you pray, you will begin to know the things that are vain repetitions. Yeah. How do we know? As you pray, you will begin to know. As you pray. As you grow in prayer, you will know the things that are vain. There are prayers that when you are praying, you are making contact with heaven. You feel it. And when it's just, you are just by yourself, we should pray. That's when you check your watch a lot of times. Because it's not any real thing you are doing. That's you know. That's how we know whether this is a vain repetition or not. Hallelujah. Number five mysteriously seems like it seems some prayers must be very long and some prayers must be very short. That's also another mystery. Mystery number five. Some prayers must be long, some prayers must be short. Mysteriously. Some prayers are long, some prayers are short. Jesus prayed short prayers, he prayed long prayers. You wonder which, how do we know which thing requires a long prayer or a short prayer? Some prayers are, you see, if you look at Jesus, there are places that he prayed long prayers. Matthew 4, 1 and 2, it says, then, what, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he hungered. Jesus went into the wilderness to pray and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. That must be a very long prayer. Mark 1, 35 says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed to a quiet place, and there he prayed. So he went early in the morning to a place, and he prayed. Long prayers. Then there are places that Jesus prayed short prayers. He just prayed and he left. Short, short, short prayers. When Jesus was raising Lazarus from the dead in, in John 11, he prayed a short prayer. I read from 41. It says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and says, Father, thank thee that thou hearest me when I pray. And I knew that thou, hast, thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had spoken, he cried with the Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. When Jesus was healing the sick, he prayed a short prayer. Matthew 8, 30 says, And Jesus said unto the center, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus was praying for forgiveness, so he says, Then Jesus said unto them, Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he was praying for forgiveness, he was in short prayer, he has finished. Raise, even raising the dead. Short prayer. But when Jesus was praying for the church, his disciples to be united, to be one. He prayed a very long prayer from Matthew chapter, from John chapter 15 all the way to John chapter 18. Jesus was praying for his disciples to be united. Just prayer for unity. It looks like praying for people in the church to be one family is more difficult than praying for the dead person to be raised. I would have thought that if somebody dies, you have to raise the person from the dead. Hey! We have to go and fast 40 days, 40 nights, then we come. And then before even we break the dead body, we spend three nights here praying. 
Then when we bring the dead body, we circle, we pray and go around the dead body for about six hours. But Jesus just prayed a short prayer, Lazarus. He thanked God and he, then he prayed, Lazarus, come forth. So, mysteriously, we don't understand how you... We, we don't know when you know which prayer must be short or which prayer must be long. But some prayers must be short and some prayers must be long. Hallelujah. It's also a mystery. Number six. How many did I say I was giving you? Six. Okay, let's say maybe six or seven. You never know. Mysteriously, it seems we can reason and negotiate with God. We can reason with God and we can negotiate with God. Now think about it. Somebody as insignificant as me and you. Negotiating with a God so great who created everything including us that we can negotiate with him. Isaiah 118, the Bible says, come let us reason together. The Lord said the Lord said, come let us reason, let us negotiate, let us talk. Say the Lord, though thy sins be as crimson, it shall be white as wool. It's like, although you are a very sinful person, by the time I finish with you, you'll be a very clean person. But I said, come, let us reason together. Isaiah 1, 8, 18. Come, let us reason together. So we can, we can, we can reason with mysterious, we don't understand. I mean, if we brought um, the president here, even many of us will be starstruck. We can't even talk. As soon as we finish with, uh, how do you say hello? Sabona. Sabona. Njani. You even ask the president Njani. Who are you to ask him Njani? Do do you get it? Sabona, Baba. Yebo, Baba. When we finish that, we don't know what to do. Just be looking at it. There are so many people when I invite them to come and have a chat, they don't know what to say. They are just sitting there like that. They don't know what to say. And many of us are like that, depending on who we are dealing with. There are some people when I meet them, I don't know what to say. I have to think, use all my mind to think. To be able to have something to talk to them about. Do you get it? So, we, usually when the person is higher than you, it's not easy to talk to the person. But God is telling us that in prayer, we can negotiate with him. Bring your points. Come and explain to him why you want what you want. Why you want things to be the way you want it to be. He says, oh, come, come, let's talk. Don't be afraid. Come, let's talk. That's one of the mysteries of prayer. Come, let's talk. Come, let's talk about it. Abraham negotiated with God for the salvation of Lot and the people of Nineveh. Once upon a time, God wanted to destroy the city of Nineveh because they had become very sinful. One of the effects of sins is that God finally decides, at a point, God finally decides to destroy you. At a point, after God has given you every chance to make a turn around, when you go past that point, he now releases agents to dis- destroy you. There are always agents around to destroy you. But what God does that because he's giving you room to change, he blocks them off. So you may be doing the wrong thing, but he's blocking the agents off so that they don't destroy you. Until you cross a certain state and say like, okay, now, and he removes his hands. So Nineveh had gotten to that point where now God wanted to destroy them. And Abraham, and he said it to Abraham. And Abraham came and said, God, will you destroy these people if we can find 50 righteous people there? God said, okay, 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 I'll spare them if you can find 50. Abraham went to look. He couldn't find 50, so he came and said, God, okay, 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 how about 40? God said, oh, no problem. If you can only find 40, I will spare them. He went to search the whole place. He looked at the marketplaces. He looked at the houses, the churches. Couldn't find 40 people. He came again and said, 30. God said, no problem. That one also did it. Now he said, 20. God said, cool. I mean, you, anything you want, just go and find it. Once you find it, I will spare them. He couldn't find. Now he came. He said, 10. God said, he, th- he said, God, please don't be angry. Oh. I mean, if can, will you spare them if there's 10? God said, oh, even if there's 10, I will spare them. He went still. He couldn't find. Sometimes people have gone so far that you can almost not find anything for which God should have mercy. May you never get to that point. 
I said, may you never get to that point. We all make mistakes as we walk, as we walk, but may we not make the mistake that leads to our death. Yeah. So he couldn't, but he negotiated with God. God allows us to negotiate, to bargain. This is what I want to do, but what do you want? And you also stay your reasons. Come, let's negotiate. One day, one of our brothers, I close with this story. One of our brothers had a very terrible accident. And he was in a coma. When I was called to the hospital, he was in a, a coma. Totally, I mean, out of the doctors, they didn't know whether he would survive. They didn't know anything. For days, he was in a coma under. And I used to go with Pastor Lungani every day, sometimes twice a day. When I go there, I'll pray for him. And I'll call his soul. Yeah, I'll call his soul. I'll say, Lord, bring back his soul into the body. Bring him back, Lord. And I bargain with God. I say, look, God, let, give us this testimony to use all over the world. To show to others that you are a good God. Yeah, to show to others. He was bound by a truck. Truck. Yeah. Bargain for his soul. Then we'll go the next day. I'll call Pastor Lungani. Let's go. Then we'll go. I'll pray for him. Call back his soul. Like that, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. One day when I prayed, for two weeks, one day when I prayed for him, he was just there like that. Then he opened his eyes and he said, Thank you, Bishop. Then he went back in life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, everybody couldn't believe it. His mother, they, were, they had come to visit him and they allowed two people at a time. So they were on the other side of the glass. So when I came out, they told me, why is it that when you come, it looks like he's smiling? It, it looks like he begins to smile. When, when we are here, it's like he's lifeless. But it's like when you come, then it's like he's smiling. I also didn't know why. Eventually, to cut a long story short, he came out. He's moving around today, as you see. Healed and revived. God came through. Now, when he came out, he sent a message. He said, go and tell Bishop that. He should come and pray for me. He sent to come and come. That I should come and pray for him. Then the person told, Bishop has been here praying for you all the time. He said, no, let Bishop come and pray for me. When he comes, they will let me go home. So I went there. He said, pray for me so that they let me go home. He told me that when he was in the um, state, he had, he had a vision. In the vision, two spirits, it's like an angel and a, and a demon. They were, a demon was trying to come and take him. And they were fighting. The angel was fighting with and they kept fighting. He didn't know why they were fighting. Do you see? And they were fighting. And he could feel that this bad spirit is coming to take him. But the angel was fighting him off. So as they were fighting, he was sitting there. Then somebody was by him. And the person said to him, look over there. So then he looked. But he couldn't see. He said, oh, look carefully. He looked. When he looked, he saw me praying for him. Wow. Yeah. He saw me praying for him. He said, when I couldn't see, I could hear the voice, but I couldn't see. So then the angel asked me, look, look properly. Then he looked. He saw that, ah, your pastor is praying for you. Your pastor is praying for you. Maybe that guy, it was his time to die. But as we kept bargaining, I told everybody, when you go there to visit him, don't just go and look at him and stuff. So I took a guy there, when he saw him, he started to cry. Big, a guy with six packs, Mark, don't be, don't, don't be deceived by this six pack and think that I think it's trying to. I said, with six pack, I mean, he's ripped everywhere. Even his eyes are ripped. Ripped on every part. <laughs> when he saw, he started to cry. I, I had to now start praying for the six pack guy <laughs> to be healed. First. He couldn't talk. He just started to cry. I said, brother, go out. <laughs> We want faith, you are crying. (laughs) 
Pastor, oh, but it's heartbreaking. Yes, I know, but right now, I want somebody who will boost my confidence, not somebody who will just come in. <laughs> Do you think that if I was crying, <laughs> if I was crying, he would be alive today? <laughs> Do you think it was, I wasn't scared? I was scared. <laughs> I was scared. Yeah, and his head was open. His head was still open. His head was like twice the size of what it was normally. Yeah, you think it's a big ripe watermelon. So I also felt like crying. I was also afraid. But at that time, I have to be brave. Not to cry. You have brought you with your muscles to come and support me. You can't yee, yee, yee. And you cry in one day. You cry and you are turning around. Yee. Ah, big boy like you. <laughs> but, why did he, I told him, when you go there, call his name and call back in for his soul. Beg God for his soul. So that his soul will come back into the body. God said, we can bag in with him. We can come and negotiate. What is it that you are going through? What is it that you have done? Pray and negotiate with God. Pray and negotiate with God. Pray and negotiate. It's, it's one of the mysteries of prayer. That's why we must love prayer. I came to call us as a church. I close. I told you, once my time is up, my time is up. To call us as a church. To turn to prayer and to learn to pray. Whatever situation you are going through, learn to pray. And learn. God says, you can back in with me. You can, you, you, can, you can come and put your argument across. I will listen to you. I'll give you a chance. I'll hear you out. I pray that we will not just be in church for the fancy of it. But we'll be in church developing a relationship with God through prayer in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet as we close. As we close. I want to give you an opportunity for a minute or two to pray right now. Maybe as I was preaching, there was something on your mind. You felt, I need to pray about this. I need to pray about this. I want to give you an opportunity to pray about it right now before we go home. Before just a minute or two to pray about it. Close your eyes wherever you are. Forget about your neighbor. One of the things you should learn to do is to forget about your neighbor and focus on God when you are in church. And pray right now. Pray for yourself right now and say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. With Thank you for joining us. We believe you have been blessed by this life-transforming message by Bishop Daniel Harley. For more information, contact us at 204 Peter Kirchhoff Street, Peter Marksburg, or call 083-773-1605. God richly bless you.